Hi, Matthew. Good to be back. Uh, Ali Haji, Chief Executive of Ion Energy, trading on the Venture Exchange here in Toronto under ticker Ion. We control 110,000 hectares of highly respected lithium brine licenses in Mongolia. Always a pleasure to be back. Ali, good to have you back. Uh, so we back, obviously, face-to-face in November in London. It's good to see you then. Um, just want to catch up, really, because you know, since we spoke in different world, right? Uh, we've got these political tensions over uh, here, in the shape of Russia and Ukraine situation. Um, supply, demand for the models don't seem to have changed um, too much. And I think maybe there's some um, questions that you can help, help us um Help answer and help us sort of understand what's going on out there. Okay, right. So I've, I've got to, I've got to kick off your share price. Forty eight cents when we spoke in November. Thirty six today. Been a market decline um, there. I mean, what's going on? Well, I think you know the geopolitical risk uh, weighs into it. Uh, the retail market is quite sensitive to what's happening in the region, as you should be. Uh, I think uh, Russia doing things that are uh, generally considered unprecedented with respect to the invasion of Ukraine. We'll obviously uh, build in a bit of uh, a, a lack of tolerance for risk, if you will, but more importantly, uh, it is unprecedented, as I said. Uh, uh, this is a war that is uh, uh, capturing the attention of the world that is uh, very similar to what we w- would have seen in previous eras. Uh, Mongolia bordering Russia is obviously something that uh, folks would be concerned about. Uh, Mongolia was a Soviet satellite, and as a result of that, um, and the fact that it neighbors it uh, essentially asked the world to, to, to pay attention. Mongolia to us is a, a country that uh, was a Soviet satellite, has had sovereignty since about uh, the 1990s, remains uh, one that is influenced and very much supported by the Germans, the Russian, uh, I beg your pardon, remains supported by the Germans, the US, India, as well as the Japanese and the Koreans. And so this is a state that's very uh, important to to, to sort of the natural resources in the region. What we've seen as far as uh, Mongolia and the Russia conflict is concerned is Russia is not too keen on on Mongolia. We've seen Rio Tinto, uh, as of uh, very recently, uh, look to uh, settle the debt with the Mongolian government. So they settled $2.4 billion with the Mongolian government in the last quarter, which says that they're keen on Mongolia as an investment proposition. And as of this morning, Rio Tinto uh, looked to acquire Turquoise Hill, which is the third largest copper gold deposit in the world for $2.7 billion from Turquoise Hill. So it's a country that is ripe for consolidation, that is resource rich, that we see as uh, ultimately uh, not only a conduit, but, but a major supplier of resources in the region. So the conflict doesn't quite affect Mongolia as you might imagine. In terms of the share price, 58, as you did say, uh, back in December. 48. 50, sorry? 48. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, not a, not a uh, sharper decline as, as from 58, but uh, yeah, is that 48 cents when we spoke back in November? 48 cents back in December. And uh, that was a result of the, uh, the hype uh, with respect to the auger drilling program. And uh, today, 35, 34, whatever it may be, is a bit of a decline. But you have to understand that that auger drilling program was um, our intent or, or our uh, ability to, to de-risk the asset without access to the uh, ultimate asset. What we're doing to, to sort of advance these things is we're taking on 
and, and visiting the country with our strategic advisors, be it Don Haynes, be it Paul Fornatsari, be it a number of other analysts at the banking firms that led the bot deal for our last uh, transaction. Now that we have access to country, we can take these individuals down to country and ultimately uh, launch a program, if you will, that is world class. So you're, you're, you're taking the analyst that did the, so associated with the banks who did the original raise for you. I mean, so what, they, they, they're going to country, what, what do they, what do they see? What's going to, what's, what's going to make them come back raving about your project? I think there's huge value with respect to realizing that this is a paleo solar. It's 81,000 hectares. It's, it's subterranean, but we've seen results at 1502 BBM and relative to our peers, that is significant, significantly larger. In terms of grade, I said that's improved. The, the grade has improved since we last spoke. Indeed. Okay. To to what I mean to can be, in terms of uh, where like to, in terms of peers, who should we we be looking at? Is it is it high for Mongolia or is it high in the market? I mean, what, what? high globally. So if you look at the Atacama, a significant supplier of lithium today, yet it has its environmental issues. Uh, 1250 was sort of the average grade obtained, uh, I wouldn't even say average, but uh, somewhat the highest grade obtained in the Atacama. And now we're looking at 1502 ppm in Mongolia. Uh, on the doorstep of China, this is relevant. It's no longer a case of, you know, this is an anomaly that is quite concentrated. It's a solar that's paleo in nature that's 81,000 hectares. So this is why the importance needs to be uh, Put the region. Okay, so help me get excited here because last year it seemed to move at a sort of fairly sedentary pace. Um, you've got four million bucks in the bank, which is, is is enough to kind of you know get you through a, ca a campaign, as it were. You're, you've identified this higher um, grade, which is which is good news. So have your plans changed in terms of where you're going to be um, drilling, um, where these augers are, or you know is it sticking to the original plan? Because no one seems to be that excited about the original plan. Of course. Well, the, the auger rig, as I said, uh, the auger program was directed towards providing news flow, but also de-risking or scratching the surface of a massive license. Now that we have this detail between uh, Mark, uh, Don Haynes, Paul Fornitsari and the rest of us, we've designed and developed a program that will de-risk these assets, very similar to what you would have done in the Atacama. So now we can actually spend the money in country, but you have to realize, uh, Matthew, Mongolia is a nation that has never had any sort of exposure to lithium brine, right? Oil and gas, perhaps, but uh, brine, not so much. And in the height of the pandemic, without access to the country, why would we spend excessive amounts of money on a program that may not be successful? So we scratched the surface using the auger program, we saw 1502, which is greater than you would see in the Atacama, and now we will kickstart a program that will allow us to de-risk the basin in its entirety. So uh, do, do you think, Smaller companies like yours, in terms of the exploration, early exploration stage, companies like yours, you know, I know you've got the licenses and there's big swathes of land, etc. Does is the government giving you credit? Um, are they are they giving you due care and attention, or do they want the likes of Rio to come in and access these these huge, you know, mineralized bodies, which are, it seems to be littered around the country? I mean, how, how do you how do you how do you get them on board? <laughs> I see two ways. I, I think the rears of the world would want to come in and, and ultimately take ownership. And I think we mentioned this at the onset of this conversation, which is, you know, 
Uh, Rio today has looked to acquire the debt that Mongolia has in their project at the Oyutolgol mine. And as of this morning, they offered to acquire uh, the, uh, the the set or rather the, the, the uh, equity that uh, Turquoise Hill um, has. So the fact that a company like Rio is now looking to consolidate in the country tells you that this is promising. Uh, but beyond that, I think uh, these early stage projects, the fact that we have control over them now and we continue to de-risk them, uh, the hiring of our, our director, Wendy Lee, uh, in Asia, she has uh, a number of relationships with uh, you know, the Gangfengs, the Tianchis, and uh, the rest of the world that, that, that exists within there, including DFD and XTC. Uh, she continues to have conversations with them uh, to, to bring them on board as an equity partner. As a company, ION has consistently said that we are not a production story. What we would look to do is bring in some strategics for a small equity stake that ultimately allow us to leverage their intellectual capital, and then they will outbid themselves for an ultimate acquisition. So um, I think um, Mongolia is ripe for opportunity. Uh, the prime minister today is you know, just over 40. He's a Harvard graduate. The old guard from the Russian uh, sort of um, uh, socialistic state is now moving away. And we're seeing these younger individuals step into the, the, the game or the foray of uh, entrepreneurship. They're, they're educated overseas and they continue to advance the economy. So Mongolia, in our view, uh, is very ripe for opportunity. I guess, tell me more about Wendy Lee. I'm, I'm intrigued by this in terms of, again, given the stage you're at and given the profile that you've just described her as having, what is your brief to her, given the early stage of, of where you're at? Of course. So Wendy and I have been speaking since about uh, uh, mid, uh, mid to late last year, I'd say. She approached me. Um, I've had a few references that uh, showed me that Wendy was uh, a credible individual to add to the team. Uh, importantly, we added her in March. So it took a while to, to sort of uh, uh, de-risk and, and understand her, her capabilities. But she was at Noble Group, and Noble uh, was a major commodities trader in, uh, in Asia and across the world, uh, primarily out of Singapore. And uh, what she was able to do in her role was uh, allow for offtake agreements for copper, gold, and uh, uh, coal out of Mongolia into the uh, Chinese sort of uh, mainland. And so she's built relationships there and she continues to have done so. Uh, she has uh, a fantastic sort of network of individuals that we do continue to leverage. Uh, across her, Paul Fornitsari, who sold uh, Neo-Lithium to Zijin, as you know, uh, was also the chairman of Lithium Americas. Uh, and a number of other things that we've done, done around the world in that sort of uh, resource space. I think uh, we built a team here that allow us to have a, a, a good either exit or a strategic partner. Right, but you've got to get on with the business of actually finding lithium within this brine and, and, and lots of it and kind of use, there's some steps to go through first, right? So she, she's going to make sure people are aware of what, what's going on there. So let's come back to what is going to be going on there this year. Four, four million bucks. How do you allocate that? What, what are you now uh, hunting for and what do, you, what do you want to be able to present to the market? Great question, Matthew. In terms of uh, the data that we've seen so far, uh, we, we talked about scratching the surface, we talked about geophysics, we talked about CSMT. So we know where the aquifers exist. We've been able to, to actually access those aquifers and prove the hypothesis that they do in fact exist. We've been since designing between myself, Don, Paul, and, and a few others, uh, the program that we will kick off uh, in April. 
So what we'll be doing on the ground on Babayo this year uh, accounts for about uh, between 750 to a million dollars Canadian, with four million in the bank at, at the end of last year, with a very low burn rate because we're not one that you know uh, tends to be a lifestyle company, for lack of a better word. Uh, the intent is to, to have a, an extensive program kick off on April 15th when we're in country, uh, details of which will be shared via press releases. Uh, it, it is hydrogeological driven, so we will be pulling up brine uh, at specific depths encapsulated without any sort of contamination on, the, on their way up. We'll measure flow rates, we'll understand exactly what is happening under the ground. But importantly, once this program is completed, uh, the key thing to understand is that you have an early resource indication. And we've seen multiple exits that are precedent transactions in the space over the last few years. And uh, that tells you that when you have an early resource indication, you can start to bring in the strategics to ultimately either acquire you or be a partner from an intellectual perspective to allow you to bring these assets to production. Right. Okay. Um, do you want to put that in sort of simple layman's terms of what do you think you're going to be producing so that the market can understand compared to your peers in, in whatever form of lith lithium potential production, um, whether it be brine or, or, or otherwise, that's going to say to them, you've got the ability to, one, find something of size and note that you, if you need technical assistance, that it's you're on the doorstep of, I, I guess, China and, and uh, a number of um, obvious parties, um, and, and how you advance those conversations. Because Otherwise, this is a long drawn out conversation. Where are you? 20, 20 odd million, 20, 25 million market cap. This is a long sort of drawn out process of hoping that your warrants come good, which is around sort of mm -hmm. 70 cents sort of mark. A bit off that at Matthew. the moment. Yeah. So, in terms of where we are today, uh, 4 million in the bank at the end of uh, December. Uh, obviously, quite an advantageous position to be in. Uh, the fact that we have analysts and, and uh, experts in the field uh, ready to go with us on site now that we have access to site we can build a program that uh, will really hit the ground hard. And I think that's important. What we've done historically is really scratch the surface without access to the ground. In terms of what we've built as far as our team and the access to um, uh, the strategics in Asia as well as Europe, we've seen a fair bit of interest that also is prompting us to consider a listing in the UK. So on the back of Minds and Money in uh, December, uh, we've had some interest to list on the AIM and we've had a bit of capital sort of uh, presented to us, which I think would go a, a very long way uh, to ultimately be risking these assets. But now that we have access to these assets and we have the necessary teams to develop and devise those exploration programs, that the hydrogeological program alongside the uh, sort of evaporation and uh, meteorological programs, providing uh, samples to the likes of uh, major sort of uh, uh, DLE type platforms, will allow us uh, to get to a point where we understand exactly how quickly we can bring this asset to production, but more importantly, the quality of these assets. Okay, well, let, let, let's, okay, I, I look forward to hearing more about that. That, that That's interesting. Um, can you talk to me about Aranjan? You signed um, a sort of binding term sheet with them. To, to, to what end? Obviously, they're after like copper and, and, and nickel. But what's the plan in terms of working with them? Well, Aranjan is a company that is uh, led by the same chairman. And I think that's important to note. Uh, there's a bit of overlap and cross-pollination with respect to the board members. 
but it's also in Mongolia, a country that I understand quite well, and I've been to a number of times, and obviously ION is a company that I run there. So what we looked at in terms of Varangin is uh, the fact that um, it, it had no real uh, leader or, or chief executive or what have you. What we look to do here is copper and lithium are both battery metals, right? And the fact that we now control the largest swaths of land for copper and lithium in country makes us quite significant given the world's moving towards a clean, green energy future. And so the intent here is uh, why not look for um, uh, synergies between the, the two companies? And we found that over the course of that auger program. So when we had the auger program, we, we found anomalies for copper and nickel on Babayo, which is uh, our flagship ion energies license. So we looked to monetize those anomalies by signing a JV with the Ranjin, whereby they had to spend $3 million US on IONS licenses. So they're de-risking de our assets, which is fantastic, at no cost to us, but they're also uh, figuring out a way to monetize any copper or nickel that was found on these assets for ION Energy's purpose. So I think it made sense uh, synergistically. I think it makes sense uh, from a country perspective and uh, from a leadership perspective as well. Okay, and you're going on their board as well, I note. I am. I'm actually the chief executive of Avangin uh, as well. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, got it. It's going to be like that. Okay, so, that's, so there's three million quid obligation for them. Have they got the money today or is there they need to go and raise that? It's in the midst of being raised. Um, there's enough interest there. If you look at their, their comps, I mean, uh, Avangin, I think, has spent or, or the assets they've acquired have had over 17 million US spent on them. Their market cap today is uh, about 10 million Canadian. They've had massive intercepts uh, that are quite profitable in nature. And so as a result of that, it just made sense to, to bring those two under one, uh, uh, one leader, if you will. Gotcha. And then half a million or half a million spend, uh, you're obliged to spend half, so ION is obliged to spend half a million on the same um, exploration project, right? Right. Got yeah. it. Okay. So, so of your four million, half of that is allocated to this joint venture? Over the next three years. Over the next three years. Okay, great. Okay. So we have lots of time there. And uh, as we start to delist our assets, I would assume the company will become better capitalized. Okay, that's an interesting one. Obviously, so what happened to the company that spent 17 million on it? Was that just okay, a timing issue of the copper wasn't at the right price? Or is this a relatively recent? It's spend? a couple of things. A timing issue, but also uh, when they exited, copper wasn't doing as well as it is today. Uh, Nickel and everybody else is flying. And I think. Uh, uh, they just opted to exit uh, the country and what have you. So, so we acquired them through various means uh, on the Avengers front, and uh, we look forward to, to putting that out to market. Oh, cool! I'd love, to, I'd love to hear that story proper, because um, that, that's kind of it's obviously very top. Both nickel and copper prices in the market are extraordinary at the moment, especially nickel. Uh, hopefully, that comes back to some normal level soon. <laughs> um, but that, that, that. Obviously, very, very timely, very, very topical, um, et cetera, and maybe some synergies, as you, as you say, on that one. Interesting indeed. Um, well, look, um, look, Ali, Grace always catch up with you. It's I um, admire us of all CEOs who, of, of companies with a certain size in terms of how they manage the cash. You, you, you look or sound like you're funded, and obviously, if there is a, a, an option of a UK listing, then that... Uh, aids you uh, further, not to mention brings you some new shareholders uh, as well over here. Um, so stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Cheers, Matthew. Good to be with you.